Uh, Phil? Is that you? What happened to our theme music? Why is it so dark and spooky in here? Uh, maybe we should call building services and have them replace some of these light bulbs and dust away these cobwebs. Has it really been this long since we podcasted? You mean you don't like the haunted podcasting studio I made? I decorated everything special for today's topic. The scariest things about Wisconsin politics. Oh, I see. Fine, fine. But it's like 40 degrees in here. Did you cut off the heat? We want the podcast to be chilling. (laughs) Don't we? Stop being such a scaredy cat. And start the show. All right, fine. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And unlike Phil Hands, I am not dressed as a spooky ghost. What? You don't like my Glenn Grothman costume? <laughs> you look more like Lurch, the butler. Oh, <laughs> sounds about right. Oh, and, I, and I'm Phil Hans. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are both members of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The more dismembered members? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty good, actually. So, it's that time of year, everybody's favorite time of year besides that magical, happy, Christmassy time of the year. But it's yeah, this- it's your birthday. It's, happy it's, birthday. And your birthday, too, is coming up next week. It's like a, it's like a, uh, a plethora of opinion birthdays all at once. <laughs> and you have an anniversary coming up, too. It's like you, could do, you do all your celebrating in like this one, one weekend. One day. One day. Yes. Because yes. you, you got married on your birthday, right? That's right. Just you never, ever forget your anniversary. I never forget it, no. And uh, happy anniversary to my lovely wife, (laughs) Rennie. (laughs) That saint. So you're not referring to birthdays. You're referring to Day of the Dead or? That's Halloween. Yeah, all right. It's time to to get spooky and dress up in crazy costumes. Uh, Maybe not the sexy type for uh, you and me. Um, I don't need to go as a sexy ghost or a sexy pirate. Let's not bring HR into this, Phil. (laughs) We're still at the comp- at the well, office here. Maybe I'll just wear my Frankenstein mask from the good old Frankenstein Frankenstein veto days. That's a good idea. Yeah. So the topic of today's podcast is it's the scariest things in Wisconsin <laughs> politics. Yeah. Do you like my scary voice? <laughs> it's it's a little frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I think the scariest thing about Wisconsin politics. And this will elicit a shrug or a like, uh, scoff from some people, but it's incivility. Ooh, incivility. Even in the post-Trump era. Yes. Even in the post-Trump era. I would blame a lot of this on Trump, but obviously it came before him. I think particularly the the school board setting right now in Wisconsin, where school boards are being shouted down, they're being intimidated. There was which is a, nothing new in in Madison, but it's <laughs> no. new the rest of the state of Wisconsin. Yes, in Madison years ago, not too many years ago, we had the school board being shouted down by and intimidated at their homes in some cases by Freedom Inc. and other activists, progressive activist groups who didn't like police officers in schools, and they were shutting down school board meetings and. Yelling in pe- school board members' faces. Lots of vulgarities. Showing up at their homes. In fact, some protesters went to the first African-American district attorney's house, Ishmael Ozane, i.e. Ish, 
went to his house till the late at night and scared uh, his children and were on his lawn. And that was a bad kind of spooky, as opposed to the good kind yeah. of spooky. Yeah. So right, I think in in Madison, this came before the whole anti-masker crowd. But I would put those camps into the same camp in terms of their tactics, where you're going to people's homes and trying to freak them out. I mean, in the at Beaver Dam, a school board member just resigned because he was getting threats because he supported masks at school. I read this week in suburban Chicago. A school board member had dead rats left on their front lawn. It doesn't seem very sanitary. No, it reminds me of Fatal Attraction. Remember the dead rabbit and stuff? It's uh, Or The Godfather, the dead horse in the bed. It's not quite to that level. But not quite a dead horse in your bed, but close. It, it's a little weird and unsettling. Yeah. And a yeah. Bad, bad kind of scary, like you're saying. And it's not just extremists on an issue. It's some of the politicians themselves. And I think Trump was incredibly uncivil, but I think you're also seeing, I mean, gosh, just go onto your Twitter feed, which is populated by the political class and the activist class and the journalist class, and just nasty comments at people. It's just really the volume, I think, has been turned up on nastiness by social media. Yeah, I think social media is a big culprit to this nastiness. I mean, Trump, I think, fomented it and played off of it, but he was more of a... I think people have said this before. He's more of a symptom than the cause of the disease. I'm also going to throw in not just social media, but the, the, the big evil cable news companies, both Fox News and, and MSNBC, that really get people to treat their political adversaries as the enemy and not just people they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. We are political creatures, humans. We are supposed to figure out the best way for our society to work and have discussions with, with each other. But it's really hard to do that when we dehumanize the other side. And we've gotten to that point on both the left and the right in, in politics. You know, we're playing uh, – here we are with our both sides-ism again. But, yeah. you know, you know the, the, the liberal Twitterati is, is really nasty just as the conservative people who shout down the school board are. Well, and it used to be and it still is – that when you see someone on the street or at a public meeting, our humanity comes out. When we see somebody in real life in front of us, even if we disagree with them, we recognize that, hey, they could be my neighbor. I need to treat them with a certain level of respect and humanity. But when you're on social media and you may be anonymous – even if you're not, it's you're playing to your crowd and not necessarily even speaking directly to the person you're speaking to on social media. It's so much easier to just go off on someone and be a complete jerk. You do lose the idea that that people on the other side of the you know people that don't hold our our same political values uh, can still be good people. Social media does not want us to believe that. And hopefully, we're going to get, for example, people running for Madison School Board this next year. Uh, this next spring, last time around, I think only one person ran uh, for the only open seat. Nobody challenged anybody. And so we don't get a say in our school because there's no choice. And I think some of the reason there's no choice is people just don't want to subject themselves to that. Do you? I mean – No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I mean I, we, we, we're basically taking a, you know, a, a school board job that while it's paid a little bit in Madison, it's not a job. It's a volunteer position that you do because you care about our community. And I mean who's going to do that if you're basically being belittled and – you know, called a racist or called a bigot every time you open your mouth. That's and what, physically intimidated. Physically at intimidated. Times. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I mean, the solution in Madison became have a Zoom call <laughs> by default because Thanks, of the pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> yeah. One of the few good things about the pandemic is it solved that problem where if people don't want to allow a hearing and don't want to listen to other people speak, even though they're yelling and they got their turn to speak, you can do a meeting on Zoom. But I think the Zoom meetings, you don't get that personal connection and understanding in the same way. So I'm not sure Zoom is the answer. No, but it's a temporary stopgap. Maybe the maybe by the time the meetings uh, go back in person, at least in Madison, the cooler heads will prevail. But we'll see. It would be nice to think that if more politicians were elected who are civil and boring and hey we have one who's governor (laughs) oh he is so boring it well and and i think that was a reaction as i've said in the past to donald trump's uh election where he was the opposite bombastic and and uh you can't turn away i mean it's not like like a car crash i mean it's not like scott walker wasn't boring too yeah exactly Scott Walker, boring and civil. Maybe not in some of the things he did, but certainly his personality and his – he was just as civil as Tony Evers was yeah. and maybe almost as boring. Probably not quite. Not quite as boring. <laughs> I mean it's really hard to be as boring as Tony Evers. But hopefully if we could get more people like Tony Evers elected, it would teach the other politicians that that's how you get – Elected is actually by being a grown-up and civil and trying to solve problems, not by being a flamethrower and uh, shooting off F-bombs on Twitter. Yeah. Or worse, in person. In person. I mean, unfortunately, uh, in our current political climate – uh, throwing, you know, shoot, throwing around f bombs and being uncivil is how you win a primary. It's not necessarily how you win an election, but it's how you win a primary. Yeah. So maybe the solution is um, ranked choice voting, better district maps. <laughs> yeah. So there are solutions beyond just a Zoom meeting. Good. Yeah. What else is scary about Wisconsin politics? Well, you know what I'm scared about right now, and maybe it's not necessarily a political question, but I'm scared about guns. We seems to have a rash of shootings in Madison, and at the same time, we have people in the legislature saying, "You know what the problem is with all these shoot? How do we solve these pro- these shooting problems? We need to add more guns and have more people carrying guns around. Won't that make things better?" And and even the left is see, seems to you know we had an incident where a, a young man with a gun was. Uh, uh, caught on State Street with a gun. There was an altercation with the police. Police officer shot another police officer. But we have people on the left sort of saying, well, this young man's just carrying a gun because he's scared. Even the left is sort of saying it's okay to carry guns if you're a scared young man. I don't understand it. And almost the same week, we had Ted Nugent, uh, the ma- what? you're from Detroit. The is Motor the City m- Madman. Motor City Madman, thank you. Which and- is insulting to people that are actually mad. <laughs> and... Rabid hunter, which is insulting to people who actually are rabid. <laughs> uh, no, but Ted Nugent, the rock and roller, comes in for a press conference at the Capitol. And, uh, you know, it's a package of hunting bills that would actually, one of them would let people walk around with guns wherever and whenever they wanted to, basically. Yeah. I mean, I find that scary, and so did Madison. On the other hand, some people in Madison don't seem to be afraid that kids, I mean, teenagers, running around with guns and stealing cars and firing at other cars, uh, that's not scary? That is scary. We we can't excuse that. 
I'm not sure what the solution is for guns. These shootings in Madison, it's it's mostly young boys doing it. These are scared little boys who have guns and they're worried somebody else has a gun, so they carry a gun around and and it's this sort of self-perpetuating cycle that's tragic and has led to several deaths, unfortunately, a death around the corner from my house in the west, near west side of Madison. I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what the solution is short of getting rid of all the guns. Well, luckily for you, Phil, the State Journal editorial board just did an editorial in which we said what the solutions were. They were more gun control and keeping guns out of people's hands. One thing people need to do is, you know, not leave guns in their car. You know, that seems to be a lot of places people are getting guns from inside stolen vehicles. Locking your guns up. Yeah. When they're at home so that people don't steal them. Gun I mean, that's thefts not, were way up. That's not responsible. I mean, having a gun stolen, that means you're not being a responsible gun owner. You know, so I, I think we clearly need to to do something to to punish people. That ha- you know, I think if you have your gun stolen, there's probably some, maybe there's a law where we can criminalize people who leave their guns unlocked and that get them stolen. There's also a lot of smart research suggesting that kids in trauma learn to be violent and become violent. And with the proliferation of guns, it just spreads from there. I think legalizing drugs like marijuana could put a dent in the drug trade. A lot of these feuds are over drugs. Yeah. Now, there's always going to be drug trades because we're not going to allow everything. But I think that would at least take a big chunk out of the market and a reason for people to be dealing drugs while carrying guns. Yeah, especially when you know all of our bordering states basically have legalized marijuana. Yeah, and certainly providing more opportunity for young people is good. And I think there's a lot of bipartisan support for red flag rules. It's just sort of what the rules are going to be. But in terms of if somebody's having a mental health crisis, that maybe a gun is taken away from them. I think another scary thing about Wisconsin politics is just the utter denial or at least disregard for the truth. And of course, I'm going to the last election, but it's broader than that. Still, I would say that when Donald Trump wanted to remain president, even though he lost the presidency, uh, there were a lot of people in his party, including in Wisconsin, and and we know who they are specifically, uh, Scott Fitzgerald, who's now in Congress, and Tom Tiffany. Tom Tiffany from the Northwoods, who said they would have even voted to reject Wisconsin's votes for president yeah. if they had had the chance because of unproven, just bogus claims that there was fraud. Now, there's always disputes in elections about, hey, they shouldn't have allowed the clerks to do this with the ballot, or they shouldn't have let people in Madison vote in the parks or have so many drop-off boxes or so much early voting. I mean, you're always going to have those kind of debates. But the courts settle that, and the courts did settle it. And Trump lost. So yeah. so move on. But instead, there's this sort of ignoring when the truth comes out and Trump denies it. For example, the Republicans did their big investigation in Arizona. And what did they find? Not a whole lot. What they found was Biden actually won by a few more votes than he already had won by. And what does Trump come in and say? Well, this proves that I was right. I won Arizona. It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, when you look at, especially with this election, the the bogus election fraud theories, a lot of people who think the president 
the election was stolen from the president. They think people stopped counting ballots or something like that. Or you know, there, was a, there was some sort of illegal vote dump in the middle of the night in places like Milwaukee or Detroit or Pennsylvania. And there were these people just made up ballots and dumped them in. And there's, that's why all of these votes came in for Biden late. But we all knew Biden was going to get these votes late. And none of these lawsuits or investigations have identified a single – shred of evidence that somebody's dumping ballots. In fact, we you know, it looks like the turnout was about what people expected it to be. There's no extra ballots being thrown around, but people who believe this election was stolen, and it's a lot of them, this is the kind of thing they keep saying, and it's just completely bogus. And even the people, like even Voss and Gableman on their weird wild goose chase, they're not looking in to see if there was some sort of vote dumping at 4 a.m. in Milwaukee County. No, they're just trying to appease Trump and they're going to come out and say, yeah, the, you know, Madison clerk shouldn't have done this, yada, 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 and then ignore that the courts have decided, yeah, they could do, they were allowed to do that. The courts decided. It used to be everybody read the, the same newspaper in town. Everybody watched a TV station. There were sort of established, credible media outlets. And now you can just live your life in this little silo of conspiracies online and never hear anything to debunk what you're being told. And I think that's a big problem. And it's not just a problem on the right. It's a problem on the left, too. And I I hate to say it, but as somebody who consumes both the New York Times podcast and the Washington Post, like they've started to and, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I think people would say I'm sort of a left of center guy, but they've started to lean into the idea that they are some sort of progressive press, you know, like the, the daily podcast on the New York Times consistently sort of frames things as if, you know, they did an entire podcast about this massive spending bill without ever wondering, like, how is it going to be paid for? What's the money going for? It's just sort of this sob story about how we're not spending $6 billion, we're spending $2 billion. Even locally, I think there were a lot of people in Madison that didn't want to look at the facts about returning kids to school, who didn't want to look at the facts about the F-35s, who think the F-35s are already here and, oh, my God, they're so loud. Yeah. And no, those are the F-16s that have been here for 30 years. I bet you, I bet you half the people who are opposed to the F-35s think they're flying above Madison right now. Well, in any case, I don't know how we solve that other than by continuing to push Madison.com for your local news. but uh, That's kind of a spooky <laughs> self-advertisement. Uh, but also, I think the way we solve that is to get people to look to more places, not to just one media source, not just to us, not just to their feed on Facebook, which we know is uh, algorithmed, if that's a verb, to cater to what excites them and pisses them off. So Everybody needs to be more open-minded. I think we don't have enough open minds. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> what else that you was, got? That, but that was one – I mean I was going to say one of the things that I had was misinformation. <laughs> and that's sort of along the same lines as truth, especially when it comes to the to COVID and the vaccine. There's all this misinformation about these vaccines are going to hurt people, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's just no evidence of any of this. But people can get stuck in their opinion silos. They can get the information reinforced on social media, and I, I think I, I'm I'm concerned that I think good smart people are getting sort of duped by this anti science anti vaccine misinformation that's going on mm-hmm. that's done to create clicks and and to and to 
boost people's egos. Well, and as we know, the anti-vaxxer crowd is not uh, just on the right or on the left. I mean, for years, we've had anti-vaxxers in liberal cities such as Madison that I mean, did, it, didn't want the rules on them I mean, it used schools. To, it used yeah. to be Southern California that had yeah. the worst vaccine problem. I mean, they would have outbreaks of the yeah. measles because enough of those hippy-dippy moms weren't vaccinating their kids, yeah. you know? And so and so it is it is a, uh, a left-right uh, – it's, it's something that both sides can uh, fall victim to, that misinformation. This one kind of goes with the uh, intolerance theme, but I find what's really scary in state politics is the persecution of either moderates or people who are willing to be, try to be bipartisan. Oh, yeah. And where you start to get the feeling that whether it's on Twitter or in the primaries that the two sides, they hate even more the moderates than they do the other side. Oh, yeah. I mean, the moderates are much more dangerous. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're going extinct. We have a lot of data on that, which you can get from like the Luger Center or Washington Magazine has been tracking this, that... There's just not very many moderates anymore, anywhere. I mean, and those who still exist, like say Manchin or even before him, is Flake. Flake's not really a moderate, no. though. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, like John McCain might be considered a moderate. Yeah, they're losing primaries, and they're. I mean, Manchin hasn't yet, but I'm sure he'll have a challenge from the left. And I think that's happening here in Wisconsin. I mean, look at Ron Kind. He didn't run again. Now, you could say, which I think you have, that for the first time he got a scare from a Republican candidate running in his district. But all he's always had to worry about being challenged from the left in a primary. Yeah. And I think he's just kind of given up the ghost. I mean, Mike Gallagher was probably still might be considered a super strong candidate for something like governor. And I consider him moderate. He wants to deal with climate change. He's tried to work with Democrats on some issues like budgeting issues and other things. He stood up to, to the January 6th insurrection BS. and But I think because of that now, you know, a lot of people on the right can't stand him. Yeah. Because he's not 100% pure. I would say Gallagher might be the most moderate person in Wisconsin's congressional delegation. Yeah. Maybe Tammy Baldwin's more moderate, but I don't think so. I think Gallagher's probably more more moderate and more and you know, Tammy's Tammy's developed a career of working with the other side, but she's still a you know a Madison progressive at the end of the day. We hear that a lot too. Is we get a lot of people in Madison who are upset if occasionally we endorse a moderate Republican for the legislature. Oh my God! Like Todd Novak yeah, or Joe Plummer. It's like, gee, these guys are actually trying to work with the other side and they agree with you Democrats on a whole bunch of things. Why are you so mad at them? Well, of course they're mad at them because that's the seat they are most likely to win. Yeah. So it's a political thing. But but anyway, I'm worried that there's fewer and fewer people who are impure when it comes to partisan politics. And and I wish there were more, was more impurity. Maybe more civility could help with the impurity a little bit. Like somebody like Jeff Flake or and people think that like Mitt Romney's a moderate. Mitt Romney's not a moderate. He's just not a jerk, you know? <laughs> you well, know? he did do Obamacare before Obama in Massachusetts. I guess maybe that makes him moderate, but but like somebody like Jeff Flake was never a moderate. Jeff Flake was a, a good 
principled conservative who just wasn't going to take the BS or Liz from, Cheney. Yeah, they're not. Liz Cheney's super conservative, but she's committed to democracy. And 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 maybe I would I would put Tammy Baldwin in that same field where she's you know she's really progressive. She's not nobody's going to mistake her for a conservative Democrat, but she's she's civil and she works with she works with people. Well, anyway, I'm rooting for you, crossover candidates <laughs> who work with the other side. You moderation, know, yeah, moderation. Even like Steinecke, Jim Steinecke, Assembly Majority Leader who I think is very conservative, but he has just a nice touch about how he relates to other people and he listens and, you know, you almost wonder if a guy like that can even survive too much longer just because he's not mean. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a difference between, between being ideologically pure and drinking your party's Kool-Aid, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think, I think Steinick, he's definitely ideologically pure, but he still knows, you know, what BS is. All right. What else you got? Your list of things that were scary was much more broad. Mine no, was go, very specific. Go specific because I have one other specific thing I want to mention. I'm scared about the property taxes we're paying in this town. <laughs> Oh, are, now you're an old man. Now, yes. Now Get I'm an off old, my lawn. Now I'm an old man. But <laughs> now, go ahead. Uh, you know, the, the federal government gave every institution in Madison so much money to deal with this pandemic. And they're still raising property taxes on everybody. And our property taxes didn't start off cheap. And what 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 is one of the biggest issues we have in this community is affordable housing mm-hmm. and ever-increasing property taxes like this 10%, basically 10% increase we're getting from the school district, you know, which nobody's going to fight against this. Nobody's yeah. talking about it. This is a done deal. Unlike some of these scary Republican ideas in the legislature, which Evers is going to veto, you know, this 10% increase in property taxes for schools, this is going forward. You know, there's nobody to vote against this, to stand up to it. Uh and so we're making, you know, our, our community is getting less affordable for a lot of people on a regular basis. For everybody, it's getting less affordable. Yeah. And there's never any sort of idea. There's never – no one in public positions in Dane County or Madison is willing to admit that taxes cost people money. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they're not free? <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I guess the thing is different in Madison is that the public supported this. You know, the public overwhelmingly approved these referendums. We did need new schools. You could maybe quibble with the operating referendum. The the thing is, where does most of this money go? It goes to staff, especially teachers, and the teachers got to live here too, and it's not cheap to live here. So I'm not sure there's an easy answer other than maybe there's some way to get some of the pressure off the property tax. Both parties always claim they want to do that, but it seems like it keeps going up. Yes. <laughs> uh, related to that, one thing that I find scarier and scarier is uh, the federal debt. And I guess that's not Wisconsin, other than our people keep voting and running for it and running it up. Somehow that's never brought up. It's like all this stuff costs money and it's not it's we're not paying for it. We're pushing it onto like our kids' kids. All this debt and at some point we're now over a hundred percent of our economy in terms of debt. And granted, we just came through a pandemic, but we're we're up in World War II territory. And unlike World War II, at least they were going to pay off their bills. And it just feels like there's zero interest in paying off our bills. And, you know, I'm not an economist, but every economist from the left to the right will tell you, you can't do that forever. And at some point, we become Greece if we 
don't start paying down the debt or at least not letting it keep getting bigger. It's been, what, 30 years since we had a balanced budget coming out of Congress? Back to the Clinton, uh, Newt Gingrich days. So the debt right now is a bit of a boogeyman because it is kind of free to borrow money, but it's not going to be free to borrow money for forever. Often you hear, well, look, when you're in a recession or a pandemic or something like that, you got to spend money to get the economy going again. And if you don't, if you worry about debt, you're going to be in a worse position than you were. You're going to be with the Great Depression again. Fine. But what about when the economy is roaring like it was under Trump? What were we doing? Increasing debt. I know. Even though the economy is roaring. That makes no sense. Republicans used to occasionally care about debt until Trump blew up the deficit even worse than Obama did. Even Ron Johnson doesn't seem to care. He used to care a lot. I mean, that was his issue. And he cares again now that Biden's president, but he sure didn't give a widget about the debt when Trump was doing it. If you care about the debt, you need to elect Democratic presidents so that Republicans in Congress will actually care about the debt. Because <laughs> they'll never care about the debt yeah. if there's a Republican in office. Yeah. What else you got? Anything or are we done? The mayor's intransigence. <laughs> An inability to, to move or adjust, and just the way she is so stuck in the mud about especially the bus rapid transit on State Street, and not putting the homeless shelter where the F- Fleet Service building is on First Street. I think it's a little scary that she just refuses to listen to anybody. It seems like there's overwhelming support for both pedestrian mall and maybe considering putting this homeless shelter, you know, where it currently is. Um, and she refuses to listen to anybody. And that's not good for our democracy when our leaders don't listen. Now you're really starting to scare me, man. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Put the lights back on. It's terrifying. Even though you're dressed like a ghost and that's a pretty good costume, I thought you looked like Glenn Grothman because uh, way back in the day when I was covering the state capitol and he was a assemblyman, his nickname was Spooky. It was and spooky. Huh? It wasn't, I guess, just because. You know, I had a I had a friend in college named Spooky too, but he was all. Was Glenn Grothman a giant pothead? No, <laughs> no, Glenn. I don't think is a pothead. As listeners of this podcast will know, I like Glenn Grothman. Maybe not all of his politics, but I think he's a fun guy to talk to, and I like to be civil with everybody. But his nickname was Spooky. Not I. I always thought it was because the white hair. But apparently it was because late at night in the Capitol, somebody, a staffer or something in the speaker's office would be sitting at their computer doing something late at night. All of a sudden, Grothman's voice would be right in their ear. What are you doing? And it would scare the hell out of them. At least that's what I heard. I'm not going to say who my source is on that, but it's a former, uh, two, several former people in a, his former speaker's office. Our theme music is by Tube Tester.